is not enough for a leader to promise wonderful things uh, that are probably not going to happen. But people are also looking for leaders that don't lie and for leaders that are competent. Dear friends, uh, welcome to another edition of Forum 2000 Online Chat. Uh, today, I am joined by Mohsen Naim, a renowned columnist, best-selling author of influential books like End of Power and Illicit. Um, he's the chief international columnist at El País and La República. Uh, he's also a distinguished fellow at the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. And this is just a few of uh, the achievements. Uh, the list goes on and on. Um, but with no further ado, I would actually like to give um, the floor to, to you uh, to really kick off this conversation with, yes, your vision of, of what is future is holding for us in terms of political leadership after this pandemic or during the pandemic. Will it ever end, actually? Yeah, well, first, thank you very much for the invitation. Delighted to be chatting with you and with your audience. Um, the future is going to be shaped by a lot of currents and tectonic uh, changes in politics, economics, society, technology. There were a very important transformation of trends before uh, the pandemic. They are still with us and they will continue to be with us. Uh, uh, climate change uh, is there and it continues to be a challenge. And uh, many have mentioned or suggested that uh, this pandemia, the pandemic, is just a dress rehearsal for uh, some significant uh, accidents and, and emergencies, you know, climate emergencies. Um, so that's still with there. Uh, the pandemic may complicate things because it's gonna drain uh, resources. This pandemic is gonna be very expensive for governments and for everyone. Uh, and th that money could have gone uh, to prepare, fortify uh, the world for uh, climate change and to develop uh, uh, alternatives that will prevent the problem from becoming even more acute. So that's one. Uh, the other is digitalization. Uh, the, the artificial intelligence is also with us, very in powerful way, is, uh, is changing, it will be changing the nature of work, um, the nature of the labor markets, the relationships between employers and employees and consumers. Um, and it's huge and, and it's here. Uh, then you have uh, this um, an exacerbation of um, big power politics. We are seeing uh, th there was already an important rivalry between uh, China and the United States, and that unfortunately, instead of uh, uh, calming down, has become more acute and more, I think, more worrisome. So these are just examples of the sort of things that are with us. And of course, now we have the pandemic, COVID-19, um, that is going to be with us for a while. You know, this, the metaphor of a switch doesn't work. The notion that, the, that you know, one day there will be a vaccine and, uh, and then uh, a kind of switch goes on that uh, changes everything and brings us back to where we were before, I don't think is a, is a very um, accurate uh, or probable uh, uh, scenario. Right. Thank you. You mentioned um, uh, you mentioned how resources that are now being invested into uh, fighting COVID-19 pandemic 
uh, could have been invested in other um, solutions, right? That, that should be in place for our future. Uh, but there are certain governments out there that we're seeing during this pandemic who are actually not very much interested either now or even in the future of investing um, into solutions-based approach to our livelihoods, to, to the future. What do, you, what do you make of those countries, those leaderships? Because we're seeing quite a lot of them right now. If there is a silver lining, and I don't even know uh, if it is a silver lining or if it is going to be um, as significant as I hope it would be, is a, a return to, um, to respect and use and depend on science and on data and uh, on people that have devoted their lives to study problems and are not just amateurs improvising responses to events that they don't know uh, anything about. Um, in, in, in the last decade or so, we have seen the, the rise and the ascent to power of populists and that deeply, clearly disdainful of science, of experts, of, uh, of reliable data. Um, so we have seen that. That's part of the populist recipe. You know, you as a populist are for the people and against the elites and intellectuals and experts and, and uh, doctors and, and, and scientists are uh, denounced and ignored. Uh, and so we have uh, still the remnants of that. Not, the United States uh, is clearly an example, but there are others. And who knows, I, I, I begin to perceive uh, a renewed appetite for um, competence. Uh, in leaders today, people not just want, it's not enough for a leader to promise wonderful things uh, that are probably not going to happen, but people are also looking for leaders that don't lie and for leaders that are competent. Right, actually, um, it's great that you mentioned uh, populist because um, you wrote a, a column about the three Ps the populism, um, polarization, and post-truth. And if we bring those three into our conversation now, and if you could elaborate a little bit more about these three very important Ps uh, that make up more or less some of the debate right now um, that has taken place. Yeah, I believe that those three Ps uh, equal uh, C or continuity in power. Those are tools, uh, strategies, tactics uh, to uh, get and retain power. As you mentioned, P, populism, P, uh, polarization, P, uh, post-truth uh, are part of the toolkit uh, of, uh, of leaders of would-be leaders or and even autocrats or mostly autocrats in, in today's world. Populism is, I, I, I have repeatedly said that populism is a, a problem, is dangerous, uh, but it's not our main problem. Our main problem is uh, people that are bad uh, leaders and bad governments that stay, that stay in power. So continuing in power, grabbing power and retaining it for long periods is far more dangerous uh, than, than populism. A, a nation can survive one term uh, of a bad populist uh, uh, government. It cannot survive uh, uh, 20 or more, as my own country, Venezuela, has shown. Uh, we could have survived uh, five years of uh, the presidency of Hugo Chavez. What the country could not uh, survive, and in fact has collapsed, is after more than 20 years of continuity of a bad government. So the first is populism, 
populism is not an ideology. Populism mm -hmm. uh, is, is, is a tactic used by those who want power or have power uh, to retain it or to gain it. Then we have uh, polarization. Polarization is, is normal. It has always existed. Um, uh, differences in, in ideological uh, postures, in uh, interests, in economic uh, uh, perspectives, uh, race, uh, gender, regional, uh, religion. There are all kinds of uh, polarizing positions in a society, and that's normal. And in fact, is even welcome. That's democracy. You want uh, all kinds of ideas, initiatives, uh, uh, interests to uh, bubble up and then uh, hopefully get resolved uh, by society through democratic means. Um, the problem now is that polarization has paralyzed the decision making. Para polarization has become global, has become acute, and has become polarizing, you know, in polarizing and paralyzing is what I want to say. Uh, it paralyzes governments. It makes it very hard. It, it, countries become, uh, especially democracies, become so polarized that they are incapable of making decisions. Very often they are even incapable of forming a government. We have seen it happening in Spain, in Italy, in England, uh, in Israel, uh, elsewhere. Wherever there's an election, the election uh, doesn't solve the problem and just quantifies and certifies and confirms the deep division, the, the paralyzing division in a nation. So um, that's the polarization that now is crippling decision making in governments around the world. And that polarization has been amplified by the post-truth world. Uh, social media, the internet, and fake news, and manipulation, and, and all of that. So the, we live now in a world where we have a hard time figuring out what's true and what's not, what to believe, who to believe, who to follow, what, what's the reality. And, you know, that's a way of fragmenting a society that makes it impossible, even a dialogue. If we don't agree on very basic facts, it's very difficult to have a dialogue, much less a political debate. So these three P's, Populism, polarization, and post-truth, uh, I think, explain uh, the politics in uh, a lot of the world today. And, and the center of these three, they are at the service of uh, acquiring and retaining power. And I guess this, the, the, the next question is naturally, so what's next? What is next for the future of democracy in today's world? What do we expect? More polarized countries? Um, how do we address uh, polarization? How, how do we move forward? What is the future? These are trends are, of course, uh, deeply intertwined with uh, the economy and the economic situation and the nature of economic relations in the world. Are we moving in a world that will continue to be increasingly interconnected and enmeshed and intertwined? Or are we moving towards a world uh, of more fragmented uh, blocks uh, that uh, have li limited uh, uh, they are curtailing interactions with the rest of the, with other blocks. So that, that's one part. Uh, I, I believe that with the post-truth, we're going to have some uh, innovations. We, technology will help us. And also the public is going to uh, react and, 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 and governments are going to react. It's a very fine line. It's a very hard uh, to define uh, equilibrium because um, trying to contain fake news will... Uh, obviously bring you directly into the debate about freedom of expression, censorship, propaganda, and all of that. But I believe that there is a, a, a global appetite 
to get uh, uh, sources and facts uh, that are reliable. Um, plus, there will be technology and there will be some technological options that people will have in order to fortify them, their, their, their defenses against lies and against uh, manipulation. Um, and, and then uh, in, in terms of polarization, there are countries that are going to be so paralyzed that they're going to backslide. And there are other countries that are going to make horrible agreements, but inevitable. Uh, I wrote a column called Odious Coalitions in which uh, you will find societies in which people that hate each other, that have fought against each other for forever, that have very different perspectives, find a way of creating a government, a coalition that can govern the country and make decisions. So it may be that in the future, countries and societies that are capable of uh, uh, reconciling the polarization that divides them with the need uh, to govern uh, that unites them can move forward. And others will be just uh, chronically entangled uh, in recriminations, conflicts, accusations, and, and, and fights. So we're almost looking at different structured governments from what we're used to uh, seeing in, in history, but also in present time. It's everything is shifting. And so is the way the governments are going to look, democracies are going to look. Am I am I understanding your uh, you correctly? Well, it's gonna there's gonna be both. You're right. Uh, there's gonna be both profound shifts and transformations. Uh, and again, some driven by technology, some driven by the, uh, all all kinds of social forces and technological forces, economic, political, and so on. Uh, but we are going to see a lot of continuity uh, also. Uh, so, and, and, and then it will depend, it's going to be case by case, country by country, but the general trends are, are going to be similar with us in terms of the ones that I outlined at the beginning. Um, mm -hmm. Climate change may change the nature, the very nature of society and politics. Uh, the same with digitalization, uh, the same uh, with the conflicts between big powers. All of those things can reconfigure uh, the way we live. Great. Um, I actually don't have any more questions, um, and we are about to reach our 15 minute mark. Um, is there anything, um, that you think we should, we should mention what, um, in the last five minutes or, um, do you think we kind of touched all the important points? I think we covered, um, I don't have anything special additionally, uh, to, to, to mention. So delighted with the conversation and very grateful for having been invited to talk to you. Great. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been very interesting for me and yeah, good luck with, with the conference. Thank you. Have a very thanks. nice day and thanks a lot again. Bye-bye. Thank you.